1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues on American Family Radio on this August the 30th. Thank you for listening to AFR. I'm Tim Wildman, and uh, we're going to be here for the next hour and 25 minutes with a lot to discuss and talk about. Uh, Ed Vitagliano joins me. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Tim. Fred Jackson. And good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you uh, Fred it's not so happy Monday it's not so happy a Monday for our friends in the, on the Louisiana Mississippi Gulf Coast right now right? it's
2: tough. Ida came ashore uh, yesterday uh, a lot of rain, a lot of wind still assessing the damage. Uh, official report is uh, one person lost their life on a tree fell on their house there in Louisiana uh, the water damage and what that has meant uh, for that area of the state.
1: Part of
2: the state, and the wind damage. I saw one picture. I'm not sure where this hospital was. <clears throat> Often we hear lines saying the roof came right off. In this case, you could see the roof peeling off this hospital, just the wind so strong. It came ashore, I'm not sure it was a Cat 4, Cat 5. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we're talking winds of up to 150, 155 miles per hour. I've never personally experienced being in that kind of condition, but I watched them on TV and, uh, uh, watching yesterday and this was kind of downtown's new Orleans and there were like garbage cans and branches and stuff rolling down streets, uh, that kind of thing. So a tough day, the storm has is kind of moving to the Northeast, uh, Uh, Certainly, the Gulf Coast of Mississippi now experiencing. I was watching some pictures of Gulfport, Mississippi. A lot of flooding. Now, it's a tropical storm now. Ida's down to a tropical storm. And I hate to say down because it's still pretty serious stuff going on. A lot of rain, a lot of wind still. Going to go over Jackson, Mississippi, and then continue to move kind of between our hometown here of Tupelo and Birmingham, Alabama, and on up uh, for. The upper part of Mississippi, Alabama, a lot of rain. A lot and of rain.
1: threats of tornadoes.
2: Threats of tornadoes that come with that. Yeah. So it well, ain't you over have, yet.
1: Yeah, over a million people without power.
2: Without power in the southern part of Louisiana, exactly. And that can go on for days um, mm-hmm. because, you know, other power companies usually end up coming in to help out. But uh, great groups like Eight Days of Hope, uh, Steve Tiber he was at our church yesterday they're gearing up already to go in and help
3: out yeah and the the uh, governor uh, of Louisiana John uh, Bell Edwards said that Hurricane Ida could be the most powerful hurricane to hit the state in a hundred and more than more than 160 years mm-hmm. of course you go back that far and they they didn't have measurements for it I don't know how they determine how how powerful they were but um you know, millions without power it could be for weeks. Yes, uh, you know, weeks uh, before they get some of this power turned back on for folks. And uh, but the, you know, Tim, the levees held, right? The pump system, which in the city they, of New Orleans, in yes. the city of New Orleans, which they were worried that the pump, pumping system might be overwhelmed, mm-hmm. uh, but that seemed to have held mm-hmm. up. So
2: sixteen years to the day to the day since katrina since Katrina, that
3: was strange yeah uh
2: those poor folks in louisiana mm-hmm. they've they've stayed drenched even all summer yeah they've had flooding problems through the spring and through the summer so a lot of rain prayers are with these dear folks down there
1: and we'll be letting you know when eight days of hope uh, that's they're kind of our sister ministry here that we look to for the people who want to help in a um, a physical, tangible way, going and and mm-hmm. helping people rebuild. Yeah, we
3: will publicize that when they tell us the date when they're going, because yes. right now the storm
1: isn't isn't over. Uh-huh. So right, yep. yeah, and you know you're going to have uh, people coming from all over the country. Uh, for those, you know how uh, the uh, trucks come from electricity companies yes. all over the country
0: mm-hmm. to
1: help wherever a storm hits mm-hmm. uh, and. So, you know, you'll see trucks from the Midwest. Ohio, and, yeah, yeah, you'll all see. All over the place. Uh, coming, we'll, we'll probably see them coming down this afternoon mm-hmm. down the road here in Tupelo, going to the s- South Mississippi and to Louisiana in particular. Although they were saying that uh, this storm is so strong that you could have power outages as far as uh, North Mississippi. Mm mm-hmm. uh, well, that remains to be seen but uh, well and then you're gonna then you're gonna have flooding all up through tennessee and ohio i mean it's gonna be a mess for another few days
2: sure hope the storm stays to the east of waverly tennessee it's not they are still probably. recovering over 20 people more than 20 people died there yeah. eight days of hope has
1: had crews yeah. in there yeah that already. was a freak storm oh man absolutely freak storm um all right, you're, you're listening to today's issues. Next story, Fred.
2: Well, uh, the evacuation efforts in Kabul at 2.30 central time here in the U.S. tomorrow will officially come to an end. Uh, they took out 1,200 more people yesterday. 5,600 Americans as of this morning have been evacuated out of Kabul There are reports there are still 300 Americans still inside that country somewhere. There was one report yesterday where a family showed up at one of the outer gates of the Kabul airport and could not get in. We have been just monitoring a Pentagon briefing just in the last half hour or so. Some of the developments overnight, there were five missiles that were shot at the Kabul airport, they believe from ISIS groups outside uh, our defense system was able to stop those three of them landed outside the perimeter of the airport one got inside but has not affected the evacuation efforts a lot of tough questions are being asked of the Pentagon this morning and when they get too tough the Pentagon people seem to refer to the State Department but Jennifer is it Griffin uh, the Fox News reporter, yes. Pentagon reporter she is excellent She has been doing an excellent job. She is going back, and and, and these are the kinds of questions that are going to continue to be asked. Why did we have to jam up this evacuation effort basically into 14 days? When you knew back as early as July, back into June, back into April, we've talked about this before, when the Taliban began taking over these provinces, Why didn't you start then? And the excuses are coming, are are being pretty consistent now. They are blaming the the Afghani government. We we thought the Afghani government would stay there. We thought the Afghani forces would protect us as we started this. This is why we didn't start to move out earlier. Uh, So that's the excuse coming from the Biden administration. And you're going to hear that excuse over and over and over
3: again. Well, th- there's kind of a feedback loop here The, the um, in terms of wh- whose fault this is. Because if if you defend the Biden administration, you are right that the Afghan forces did melt away. And the Afghan government, they, they started getting out of town. Uh, you, you know, and that seemed to allow the Taliban to take over the country almost overnight. So you could say that happened but then you'd say well maybe that happened because we were pulling out too quickly you know we didn't have we didn't keep bagram air force base we didn't keep our bases to give them air power to support them in holding on to the country while we withdrew so i you know we were talking about before this show started tim you mentioned you know will we have hearings about what happened and you know will we kind of put this under the microscope or have an autopsy whatever metaphor you want to use to figure out what went wrong uh so that's going to be happening over the next whatever decade we may be studying this catastrophe like we did vietnam uh but you know there is that kind of feedback loop you know which came first the chicken or the egg you know Mm -hmm. yeah afghan forces failed that caused us to have to withdraw quickly, but we were withdrawing quickly. Maybe that's why the Afghan army failed. I, I, I'm not sure which, which, which is maybe it's both. Well, and, I,
2: I think there won't be any debate on this evacuation effort was abysmal, right? With the death of 13 military people, you can't call it a success. No. And the fact of the situation, uh, over 165 Afghans, were killed in the, those suicide bombings. Right uh, now, before my,
1: you go on here, Fred, sure. that what you just said may be interpreted as our military uh, people on the ground at the Kabul airport failed. Oh no. Okay, I just want to make sure you no. Yeah, the, the I'm talking about the soldiers and the marines yes. and so forth. They're doing as good a job as they can under the circumstances. From
2: they're following street.
1: orders. Right, right. But you're saying that it's those orders yes. that need to be scrutinized. It's the plan. Yes, it's the or the right. yes, or the lack of it. Yes,
2: or the lack of it.
1: I mean, anytime you leave the kind of equipment
3: that we left in that country, which has all been scooped up, vacuumed up by the uh, Taliban, mm-hmm. you know, just hundreds of thousands of uh, of assault weapons and rocket launch, grenade launchers, and uh,
1: body armor, Black Hawk helicopters, I mean,
3: just all... Humvees, yeah. And not to mention, the I treasure
1: uh, trove on on the I think
2: on the program last week I mentioned uh, images of pallets of
1: U.S. cash. Yes. But why wouldn't you? Yes. But why wouldn't you? Uh, you know, there, there's so many questions that that deserve an answer. You know, why wouldn't you destroy? If you're going to leave those assets there, why wouldn't you destroy them before you leave?
3: Yes. Yeah. There. There. Uh, there's no. That stuff is paid for by the taxpayers, and now That's, it's going
1: to be used against the people of Afghanistan.
3: Yeah, which is which is why you go. Well, how, how, why do we have to leave so quickly, so that we can't even take our stuff, or pallets of cash, or Blackhawk helicopters? There, there was I I, I should have. This was a, a week or so ago. There was some sort of uh, software program that we mm-hmm. were using uh, for our military that was left behind. So. Now, whoever China, whoever I guess wants to take a look at it.
1: You know what I'd like to know too is, uh, our there were ten Marines that died, two Army and one Navy uh, servicemen. Mm-hmm. It was a, a lady too. One of the, one of them was a female. Of course, they were. Uh, their remains were brought home. They arrived back at Dover Air Force Base on the weekend. Yes, and President Biden. I guess he was there, and I don't know what other dignitaries were there. I think uh, Secretary of Defense and others, uh, but uh, were the families there? There would be some family representatives there that could make it there. There are some families that are openly angry. Very. At Biden. Yes. And feel like his decisions here led to the death, death of their son unnecessarily is what it's so um but but the the one picture i saw late last week i wondered i wondered uh how were so many of our uh servicemen killed at one time one bomb That, that that just doesn't that just doesn't happen to our our folks you know what i'm saying well, I mean, this was the most people that had been killed on one day in ten years, I guess, in Afghanistan. Yes, at least or, ten. At least maybe, 10. In, maybe in longer than that. Maybe that was the last time there was a death among our servicemen was eight, ten years ago or so. But, but I saw a picture of uh, Marines uh, on a wall. Yes. At the airport. Yes. And this was before, uh, and I, hours before the bombing, I guess. And it showed them patrolling or walking, and standing on a wall of concrete, mm-hmm. and looking over the people who were waiting to get into the airport. Mm-hmm. And they they had been standing in water. And uh, anyway, I'm talking about the people. It was a deplorable looking uh, conditions. It was a stream that was an open sewer. That's where they were. Okay, so. Um, but then I, then I knew, well, if, if, if our Marines are stationed like this, then they're sitting ducks. Yes. If this is what happened and I guess that's what happened. So uh, that'll, I'm sure that'll be, you know, investigated Yeah. Uh, as well. What happened there and who made the decision just to leave our, our people so vulnerable. Maybe that, maybe that. There's no other choice. I, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't there, but it just seems like to me. It seemed like to me, looking at those pictures, that they were, as I called them, sitting ducks. But yeah. Well, we
2: saw the pictures prior to the suicide bombings. Because of the compassion of our, uh, our, our soldiers, they were reaching down. There were babies being lifted up, I assume, by their parents or relatives. And our soldiers were taking them and lifting them over that, that fence. The fence wasn't very high. Let's put it that way. If you can... Lift a baby up over your head. That that tells you how high that yep. fence is. And the and the soldiers were reaching down to take those
1: little children. Well, you also had our. There was pictures of our soldiers handing out bottled water and yes. and other things to uh, the people. And I don't know. Maybe maybe your maybe your human heart takes over, and you maybe you lose your sense of judgment because of that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, but I was thinking to myself, I was looking at these pictures. I was going, why are Marines hanging out in the middle of the people? Yeah, handing out candy and water. Don't they aren't aren't they vulnerable to an attack? That, that's right. what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe being vulnerable to an attack is not absolutely avoidable. You know what I'm saying? When you're in a situation like that.
3: Well, again, uh, I, like I said last week, I've never served in the military, so uh, but I am guessing that there are certain protocols that you follow when you are in a combat situation. and though that was their situation was not subject to that. They were basically whether you know maybe keeping the or, keeping, keeping order uh, or it, maybe it was humanitarian. But th- it was not set up the way our bases had been set up, going back 20 years, where you have checkpoints and you have uh, you have uh, uh, barriers so people can't drive vehicles in. You know, and but you're talking about a city right here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they were put in a situation
1: where there was it wasn't a military airport, right? It was a civilian airport. Yes, and it was right next to I don't know how many millions of people live in Cabal. Yeah. Kabul, but uh, uh, but you're saying tomorrow's the deadline, and whoever's left behind will have to find their way out themselves if they can make it. Is that what you're saying, Well, Fred? The Biden administration, for what their word is worth, is
2: saying we'll find ways to get people out, and they're still using that phrase: "Who want to get out, Americans." Want to get up?
1: You mean after tomorrow? Yes.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what they're saying. Now, this morning, uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was. But on the last
1: plane goes out tomorrow. What At you're saying? Two
2: thirty hour time. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, he was saying that uh, former President Trump always negotiated from a position of overwhelming power. He's talking about the deal that the former president had worked out with the Taliban as to how all this would be carried out. This was a deal that was reached last year, cut number one. General McKenzie said,
1: we will hold on to the airport. You can have the city. If that was presented to you or the president, what would you have said?
0: We never begged. We never apologized. We always demonstrated power. We told the Taliban that if you don't behave the way that we want you to behave, we're going to impose real costs. Look, I, I've seen that reporting, too, that it doesn't make much sense to me unless there was a truly political mission, that they had told these military folks, you know, you've got to get out, the time is running, the clock is near, do whatever you got to do, get this force down. That sounds like what was in their minds. That would not have been in President Trump's mind. We would not have been focused on that. We would have been focused on achieving the objective, getting, getting our people home, getting, getting Afghanistan to the conditions that were right before we did that, and making sure that every American had a chance to get home.
2: And I think what the former Secretary of State is saying there is that the Biden administration allowed the Taliban to get into a position of authority and power that the Taliban was calling the shots. The current Secretary of State, Blinken, said this at numerous news conferences over the last two weeks. He said, like it or not, the Taliban's in control. So the Biden administration allowed the Taliban to get in this powerful in control position so that they were calling the shots that's why this evacuation became very challenging well
3: we, we should have what we should with the Biden administration should have told the Taliban okay is whatever happens in Afghanistan will be up to the Afghan people but you will not start taking over this country until all our people are out and that means you have to leave sufficient forces on the ground and at our air bases to enforce that. Yes. And as soon as they started taking, as soon as they took their first province, we should have bombed them. Yeah. Okay. We should have attacked them, mm-hmm. but I don't think they would have done that. Mm-hmm. The, the problem was, is that president Biden wanted the troops out so quickly because he wanted to be able to say on the anniversary of nine 11, we're out of there. hmm Okay, so that is a political decision. To me, it does not seem to reflect the the circumstances on the ground. He should have listened to his military leaders and the intelligence that we had. I'm guessing that the real fighters in the military said, no, you can't. You can't give up our air bases until we are ready to leave. Mm -hmm. And then we just tell the Taliban we're on our own calendar And when we're out, we will start withdrawing our military, and that's it. Case closed. Then once we're gone, the Afghan people have to decide what they want to do.
2: I've also heard discussions from some of the military experts that the Biden administration, which is commanding our military people, had a problem with risk aversion. And basically what they're talking about there, they start looking at things, and they started to say, okay, what is the least amount of risk we are willing to take. And some of these seasoned military commanders now retired, of course, were saying in every military operation, such as the one we're experiencing in Afghanistan, there is going to be risk and there may be loss of life to do like the scenario you just painted when the Taliban took that first province should have hit them hard, right? There may have been some loss of life at that point, but you would not have had the disaster that we have seen over the last two weeks and the panic that we have seen over the last two weeks. What they're saying is it wasn't necessary if you showed force early.
3: Right. I mean, it seems to me that would have been the best way to handle this. You don't just, it doesn't seem prudent to set a date. You let your enemy, the people we've been fighting for 20 years, the Taliban, you don't let them know when we're going to be gone. No. You just tell them when we're ready to leave. Yeah. And once we have everybody out and then you can start withdrawing your military and then you have sufficient power in the region to say, if, if you launch a rocket attack or something at our soldiers, as we're leaving, guess what? We have drones. We know where you live. We'll find you. I don't think the Taliban, everything I've seen, it was some of these experts, They've said the Taliban were terrified of the U.S. military,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and they don't—they don't want to get Soleimanied, mm-hmm. okay, hit by a drone when they're sitting down to dinner, mm-hmm. okay. They—I believe they would have waited until we left so they could just go against the Afghan military. I think that was what they wanted. So,
1: uh, coming up on a break here. Uh, did y'all see the Glenn Beck story? He's trying to help get Christians out of Afghanistan. I've heard that. I've not seen and, anything. Uh, on hopefully we're going to get in touch with him or somebody that works with him and find out what the latest is on that because I found that very commendable on his yes. part uh, because Christians are going to be. They're going to be targets. They're going to be slaughtered mm-hmm. uh, most likely. If th- those, uh, you know, wouldn't the Taliban takes complete control of um, Afghanistan Oh, wow. What a mess. What a mess. Uh, we knew it would be messy regardless of when the United States pulled out of Afghanistan completely. But the way this was done, I think everybody on all sides agrees this was mishandled, bungled Yeah. Um, from the get-go. All right, we'll be back momentarily with more of today's issues on American Family Radio. Stay with us.
4: Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord. Come on, come on. American Family Association Man. or American Family Radio. I missed the show again.
0: Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on afr.net. Ooh, Lord. afr.net.
4: What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God?
2: After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality.
4: There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male.
2: In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals.
3: In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation.
2: Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image.
4: Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox my hormone blockers.
2: In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image
5: of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. A California school district says they are investigating a video that shows a teacher telling kids to pledge allegiance to a gay pride flag. The teacher posted about removing the American flag from her classroom. It happened during the China virus pandemic. And when kids said they needed a flag to pledge allegiance to, she suggested the rainbow flag. In a separate TikTok post, the unidentified teacher was decked out in rainbow colors while reciting, I pledge allegiance to the queers. This is yet another example of how radical leftists have turned our classrooms into propaganda camps. People often ask why our nation's culture and values are rapidly changing. Well, this is the reason why. The left has taken over our public education system, and they're turning out generations of anti-American socialists. You need to get your kids out of public schools, folks. Homeschool. That's the only way to save our nation. I'm Todd Starnes.
4: Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3.
0: American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of Today's Issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of Today's Issues.
1: Hey, welcome back to the program Today's Issues on American Family Radio. I'm Tim Wildman with Eva Tagliano and Fred Jackson. And we are thinking about our brothers and sisters uh, who are suffering from the hurricane uh, in South Mississippi in particular and South Louisiana, over a million people without power. A million homes, I guess. A million, well, I say, say a million people. I don't know if that's a million homes or what exactly that is, but, uh, and will be for weeks, many people are saying. Yeah. That'd include the cleanup. You know, you got trees down everywhere. You got. Oh, water damage. I uh, mean, yeah. This, this, you're talking about a year. Yeah. To get everything back to normal, I would guess. Um, So that's going on right now. We had our 13 service men and women who died as a result of the suicide bombing in uh, Afghanistan they were brought back their remains were brought back to Dover Air Force Base uh, draped in the American flag their caskets and so that took place over the weekend that was Saturday was it Fred Saturday. when they were when they were flown home mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so that 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 happened a lot of and then tomorrow is the deadline that the president has said for getting out of Afghanistan, American people and the people who helped us in Afghanistan
3: and our, our, and our troops
1: and our troops. Yep.
3: You know, I was looking at a, uh, at a, uh, op ed on Fox by Michael Goodwin who writes for the New York post and he, he writes something very interesting. He says, what if the Biden team is every bit as bad as it looks? You know, sometimes perception is not, sometimes you're unfair and maybe it's a bad day or whatever. And just, they, you know, the team didn't have its act together, but he's raises the question, what if the Biden team is every bit as bad as it looks? And it has looked bad the entire time of the Biden administration since January, whether you, you know, you pick your issue. And it has been bad. And so Afghanistan, this is not just the perfect storm where things went bad, and sometimes that's what happens, you know, during wartime situations. It has been bad on almost every issue, starting off with closing Keystone Pipeline, all those things, it, you know, ra- rising gas prices.
1: Opening up the borders.
3: Opening up the borders. It has been one mess after another, and he makes a really good point. W- what if This administration is just that bad.
2: And they can't blame anybody else. It was Joe Biden, by executive order, that canceled Keystone. Yes. And then about three weeks ago, he goes hat in hand to the Saudis. Can we have some more oil?
1: Can you imagine? Think about this for a minute. (laughs) That's just one example. Think about how twisted that is. Yes. You shut down uh, the Keystone pipeline, which is... Providing tens and thousands of jobs, it's clean. Uh, it it makes America more self sufficient. Oil on with the oil. Uh, it's it's a Canada American uh, co adventure, so to speak. Co co uh, what am I looking for?
3: Co venture. Yeah. Co Co-ven-
1: venture. Right. I mean, this is all good. Yes. And, and Biden comes in day one. It says no, we don't, we don't, we don't need this pipeline. We got to end car uh, gasoline, basically is what he's saying. We got to end gasoline because it, it's are are it's global warming caused by man, particularly by Americans. This mm-hmm. is what Biden was saying, and then and then he says, yeah, but Saudi Arabia, you need to pump more oil so our gas prices don't go up here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what a kind of Contradictory message is that, uh, but this is this is this is why people say liberalism is a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. it is because you have things like this over and over and over again uh, take place. Biden says we got to, and the Democrats liberalism says uh, everybody get uh, has to have a shot of vaccine. Everybody needs to mask up. Everybody needs to do this, that, and the other. We need to close businesses, schools, whatever. Oh, that's on one hand. On the other hand, they say, "Hey, a million people from from uh, Central America and South America and, and the rest, come on in. You don't need a vaccine, right? You don't need a, huh? Go wherever you want to in the U.S. You need a bus ticket. Here's a bus ticket. You Need a plane ticket? Hey, we'll drop you off. Hey, all you kids unaccompanied, come on in, and we'll put you up in military installations across America. Yeah. So, I mean, if if, if you were taking COVID." Seriously, you would say close the border for goodness sakes. We can't, we got to stop this. Yes. We can't have people coming in. We don't even know Mm -hmm. what they're spreading. No, Biden says, come on in. We'll put you on buses. we give you a, we give you a a subway coupons, uh, you know, whatever to, to go anywhere across America. And by the way, he, they don't even tell, they don't even tell people sometimes where they're shipping these folks.
3: Governor Mm -hmm. DeSantis Mm -hmm. is begging the Biden administration Mm -hmm to stop allowing people here illegally, stop dropping them off in Florida. Right, That's what Governor DeSantis has asked the Biden administration.
1: See, Biden and Harris and the Democrats, they want to flood our country with people who Mm -hmm. come here so that they get, the the idea, I think, is in subsequent, once they get them here, millions of people, then they say, hey, we got you here. You got to vote Democrat now. When we, when we give you citizenship, that's what, that's what their hopes are. Now that hasn't come to pass yet. Um, but, and this doesn't include all the human suffering that's caused by Biden enticing people to come to our country across the border. Uh, these just on the journey, these poor people, you know, who are coming here, a lot of, uh, can you imagine being responsible as Biden is for causing parents in Central America, just to send their kids with coyotes, right, to 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 up to the United States, so they can cross the border and stay here. I guess they're hoping that those children will be able to bring their parents later, if their parents didn't come with them. I'm talking about all those tens yep. of thousands of unaccompanied minors, right? That yeah. we now have in our. And what's going to happen to those people if they can't find families for them? Are they all going to be orphans? Uh, you know what I'm saying.
3: Not exactly an organized system, kind of like what we're seeing in, in Afghanistan. So again,
1: liberalism is a mental disorder. You don't want to do. You don't want to protect your own border of your country. That's a mental disorder. Uh, not to mention a constitutional disorder. Right. But uh, but that's where we are with Biden right now, and we've only got three and a half more years. So, so <laughs> I, I saw. I don't, a funny I don't, know, I don't know. what he's. I don't know what's going to happen.
3: I saw a funny headline on the uh, Babylon Bee, which. Again, folks, if, if you've never heard of the Babylon Bee, it's a s- satirical website. Everything's satire. Right. But there was a, a funny headline. It said, um, uh, Disaster in Afghanistan, colon, Nancy Pelosi begins impeachment pr- uh, procedures against Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they bla- you know, they, oh, they tr- impeached President Trump over a phone call. Yes. But you're never going to see anything about President Biden with actual loss of life right. for American servicemen and women, right. You, you, right, you just won't. That's the way the game is played. I, I, yesterday,
1: maybe we'll move on to another topic here. But yesterday, I heard uh, Biden at, at FEMA. Was it Saturday, maybe? He was at FEMA talking about the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Do we have this? Do we have that clip? Yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> I, I want you, you want to set it up. Good yeah. night. I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I know we harp on this. But it's still, the, the, the man has something wrong, whether it's dementia or whatever. But uh, listen listen to what he said. Listen to how this goes down at the, at the FEMA headquarters yesterday after he had been there to talk about the federal government's response to the hurricane.
2: Cut seven. I'm not, I'm not supposed to take any questions, but go ahead. Mr. President, on Afghanistan? I'm not going to answer Afghanistan
4: now.
1: Can you say if they're still an acute okay. risk? Okay, stop okay, right there. So there is president- that was five seconds or less. And we have a man, the president mm-hmm. says, I'm ta- I'm not supposed to, first of all, I'm not supposed to take questions. Yeah. Okay, you're the president of the United States of America. You can take questions mm-hmm. when you doggone ready and want to, mm-hmm. or you cannot. It's yeah. your choice because nobody nobody can tell you what to do but yet he's te- he's saying that there is people there are people telling me what to do mm-hmm. he says this repeatedly yes last and week he said instructed yeah he's been instructed right the president's been instructed and then he says so he says i'm not supposed to take any questions but i will and then he decides but i'm not taking any question on ghanistan
3: yeah ghanistan <laughs> okay?
1: no that's what he said i know right. listen to this again listen to this again
2: I'm not. I'm not supposed to take any questions. But go ahead,
4: Mr. President. On Afghanistan.
1: I'm not going to answer Afghanistan now. Can you
4: say? If still
1: in a- he's not going to answer. it. He's not going to answer Afghanistan. And then he walked away. Mm-hmm. And then he walked away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he he says, "I'm ready to take a question," and he doesn't know the subject matter, right? Mm-hmm. But yet, then he says, "But I'm not taking. But I don't like that subject matter. Right? I don't like that topic. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to answer any." He questions. He compare that
3: now. to president Trump, when he was in office, he would stop at, you know, the, the yeah. report, the lines yes. where they had reporters or anybody and he'd back and forth with them. And, and, so, and, just,
2: and 99% of them were adversaries, yes,
3: reporters.
1: Right. And he knew that. But does it matter that he said Afghanistan?
3: Well, I, is, again, is that too? Is that, is if that it was, okay? If it was the only, if it was the only time he's done that, I would say, or, or if it's very infrequent, uh, I would right, say, right. No, I agree. I agree. We, all, we all,
1: we all slur right. words sometimes. Right? George,
3: George W. Bush was famous for his gaffes, Yeah, you know, and I, listen, I enjoyed listening. They'd have compilations of his, you know, when he would misspeak, but that, that one time was just infamous when he said, fool me once. You remember that? <laughs> fool me once. Uh, shame on, uh, President, President, Bush, said President that? Bush. And then he said, fool me twice. I won't get fooled again, you know,
1: and he would, he would do those kind of things. And it was, yes, he, but he had, he had control of his full faculties. He, he was, he difference. was just human. Yes. Uh, and, and, uh, had a little goofy side.
3: Yes. But, and it but was we're fun talking, to listen to but, those,
1: but it's different when, uh, you're thinking this is a sign of cognitive decline yes. not not just a momentary lapse of- and that's
3: why I would I said if it was just every once in a while you'd go okay well that's just Joe Biden being Joe Biden and it used to be that way he sure. he's been known for gaffes his whole political career yes but this is something different and so when he says these kinds of things i was instructed which reporters to call on that was last week and did he go
1: and did he go to sleep during the meeting with the israeli prime minister
3: uh, it looked like he was some asleep. Like, it looks was, like. You, for you can't tell 30 him. seconds. Yeah, you can't tell. Uh, him yeah. If, if he was. I saw It He that. looked
1: like me after Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> about 3 o'clock when the Lions are getting beat by three touchdowns.
2: His head. A, <laughs> uh, Prime Minister Bedden was talking. They were there in the Oval Office. They have the photo op before the actual discussions yeah. begin. Yeah. And Prime Minister Ben, the new prim, uh, Prime Prime Minister of his – There you ben go, Minister. Fred. Yes, there I go. Afghanistan. <laughs> <Janistan. laughs> Afghanistan. And Joe Biden is – he's sitting in the chair over here yeah. on the left-hand side, and he's like – Slumped over. Like he's praying, kind of. I mean, that's what it looks like.
3: Listen, I usually eat my lunch here at work. <sighs> I close my door. I usually heat something up, come yeah. in, get on my computer, watch yeah. hockey highlights or whatever. And, uh, after I eat that lunch, sometimes that's what I do. Uh, just looking in my head just drops. Oh, you get
1: drowsy. Yeah. yeah. It happens to a lot yeah. of people. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just, it's not reassuring for the American people. But it see, is to see their president president every week, uh, forgetting, uh, not mispronouncing name, not forgetting who, where he is or what he's saying calling afghanistan Ghanistan. but for the bad actors
3: on the world stage this is an opportunity for them that's what yeah. i'm afraid of
1: yeah so all right uh, so tomorrow's the deadline we'll see how that goes and what happens to the americans and others uh who are uh, in afghanistan uh, post uh 31st did you th- really think that the president would uh extend the date fred
2: no okay uh, he wasn't going to do that because I still think it's hard to believe. I still think he will be celebrating on nine eleven. Look at me, the first uh, one of the first news conferences. He says, "I'm the one. I'm Who the one that's out? ending Afghanistan." And he's listen. I you cannot underestimate when the media is on your side and covering for you. Here's a question for you guys. When's the last time you saw NBC, CBS, or ABC do a story on
3: the border? No, you're right. It doesn't happen. Well, listen, President Biden would have been able to crow about it. I mean, that's what politicians do. Mm -hmm. All right. We had four years of Donald Trump, and everything was the greatest and the best. I, I understand that's what politicians do that. Joe Biden would have been able to say, yes, I was the one. Four presidents later, I was the one who got us out of Afghanistan if it had gone off properly mm-hmm. if it had been uh, organized right, right and we hadn't had 13 you know members of the military die who knows what else is going to happen god forbid but uh he could have said we got out and we let the afghan people decide for themselves and the taliban won and the you know uh, that that's that those kind of things happen but he can't i don't see how he brags now I'm, i wouldn't be surprised
1: though if you if If you are right.
2: They'll find some way to spin Mm. this. You watch.
1: All right. Let's move on. What's the next story? Well, you
2: know, you were saying what's going to happen. we got three years. Uh, But there's a rebellion that is building in this country. And it has to do with these vaccine mandates. I mean, it is brewing out there, folks. People have had enough of this. And there's a story. uh, There's a couple of stories here this morning. This is San Diego County Board. Float's COVID declaration conservative critics say impedes free speech. They're talking about going after. This is the San Diego County Board, which is liberally dominated. They said they would declare health misinformation a public health crisis. In other words, if you speak out against the San Diego vaccine policy, uh, you're becoming a danger to public health.
3: So what's the what's the penalty for becoming a, quote-unquote, danger to public health?
2: Let me read the rest of this. And enact measures to try to combat posts that counter the, the county's official positions on the coronavirus. A summary of the proposal claims that health misinformation now presents a greater threat to public health than a variant
3: of COVID-19. Oh, my goodness. Now, this is right this out of the... This is in San Diego? Yes. I thought that was relatively conservative part of California. Well, this
2: is, this is San Diego, the city, the
3: city. Yes.
2: You know, just outside there is where Dr. David Jeremiah has his church, but that tactic right, that I just read is right out of the Biden playbook because what's he's encouraging companies now get, you know, you're not going to be able to do business with the federal government unless you get all your employees vaccinated, the military, uh, vaccine mandates there. I mean, this, this is unheard of. At the same time, we're learning more and more that the vaccines will only help you for a certain period of time. Right. And that you can be vaccinated, but you can still be a carrier of the virus.
1: I mean, on and on this goes. By the way, on some good news, uh, uh, in my in my opinion, you guys may or may not share this, but... Uh, this was from August 27th at Dateline Jackson, Mississippi. The Board of Trustees of State Institutions of Higher Learning in Mississippi voted against mandating students and employees to show proof of vaccination as a condition of employment or enrollment at a special emergency uh, called meeting on Friday. That's interesting. So, yes. Hmm. Uh, now, they did uh, recommend that people get vaccinated against COVID-19. But uh, however, the spokesperson, Dr. J. Walt Starr, president of the board of trustees of the state institutions of higher learning said, however, the board does not deem it prudent to require it as a condition of employment or enrollment, uh, except at the university of Mississippi medical Mm -hmm. center and other clinical settings. So that's one of course, Mississippi is a red state, but still uh, the talk had been, are, are, are the uh, uh, public universities and colleges going to be required to, you know, have their employees and their students, uh, quote, vaccinated? I say, quote, vaccinated because I know it's a vaccine, but it's not like the uh, smallpox or polio. What we traditionally in America know as vaccines. That is something that stops something in its tracks, but uh, but they said no. So this—I uh, don't know how many other states are. De- well, a lot of states are dealing with this, but I don't know how many states that are going to require students be vaccinated before they go to the college or the university.
2: We've done a few stories on universities that are requiring it.
1: Well, we're all going to find out.
3: Mississippi's not requiring it. Other states are, so we're going to find out. You know, if Mississippi cases explode on college campuses, well, then, then we'll know. But uh, I, I don't know what else you do. If they don't, then the media will never tell us. Right. I'm afraid that's the way it's going to be. Yep.
1: Yeah. All right.
3: Uh, yeah, we want to welcome uh, to the program Dr. Kathleen O'Toole, who's assistant provost for K-12 through education at Hillsdale College Hillsdale College is a an excellent college, liberal arts college in Hillsdale, Michigan. Not a liberal college. A liberal no liberal arts. arts.
1: Yes, there's a difference. Yes, it's a lot of our listeners have an aversion to that word. Yes, it doesn't matter what context. <laughs> okay, all right, and
3: so uh, uh, Dr. O'Toole, we want to welcome you to today's issues.
4: Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here.
3: Well, we we invited you on because uh, Hillsdale has done something. It's not necessarily unique, but I we I heard about it and I thought we, we need to talk to you about this. The 1776 curriculum at Hillsdale College, why don't you tell our listeners about that?
4: Sure. Well, um, here at Hillsdale College, we're 175 years old, and for more than three decades, we've been working in K-12 through education by providing a curriculum similar to the liberal arts curriculum here at the college and also teacher training and uh, advice on starting charter schools to schools across the country. Uh, we we realized that today we are uh, in a state of division in this country and confusion about what our country means. And so seeing that, we thought we would make the, the American History and Civics curriculum that we make available to our to our affiliated charter and private schools available to anyone in the country who would like it for free. And so that's what the Hillfield 1776 curriculum is. It's comprehensive resources and uh, lesson plans, student-ready primary sources, sample tests, and quizzes for every grade level, K through 12. And uh, it's a wonderful thing for any teacher or parent or policymaker who's interested in an honest and thorough teaching of American history.
3: All right, so... uh... Dr. O'Toole, let me let me just uh, highlight that word uh, "honest" because one of the accusations that is made against uh, those in our country who want to teach a uh, history or civics or political science course to high school students and below K through twelve that does not say that America is irredeemably racist. They say you're not teaching honest history. So, is it possible, this is obviously a softball question because I know the answer. I have a lot of respect for Hillsdale College, by the way. Is it possible to teach that the founding principles of America and our and our republic were history altering and at the same time admit that our country also had its flaws? Can that be done honestly and what is your answer to those critics who say it cannot?
4: Well, I think it's got to be done. Um, I think students and teachers have one thing in common. They want to be given the opportunity to think through things for themselves. They want to be treated with respect. Uh, they don't want to be force-fed a you know particular understanding of American history. They want to be given the evidence and the time and the skills to go through the evidence for themselves. And... Uh, You know, the history of America is a good thing because it's written down. (laughs) There is evidence for us to consider. And if you consider that evidence, then you see that there are triumphs and tragedies in American history. There are things that we should be very proud of, heroes that we should admire. And there are moments that we should reflect on um, with sadness. And I think students and teachers like to be told that that they can do both. That they should do both. That the story is complicated, but uh, a well-intentioned and honest approach lets you lets you look at things as they are, rather than choosing one side or the other.
3: And this 1776 curriculum, in your opinion, obviously does that.
4: Absolutely, um, this is a curriculum focused on the primary sources. And focused on the questions that teachers and students should ask when they're reading those primary sources, it's not a script for teachers. It's not. Um, it's a curriculum that treats them with respect and gives them the tools that they need in order to to go through these things for themselves.
3: Well, uh, Dr. O'Toole. Oh, by the way, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Dr. Kathleen O'Toole uh, from Hillsdale College about the 1776 curriculum that is being made available for free to folks around the country. Dr. O'Toole, there's probably people listening, and they're going, wow, I'd like to find out more about that. How do they do that?
4: Well, it's really easy. Uh, You just go to k12.hillfield.edu. On that website, you can learn about our work with K-12 schools across the country, and uh, you'll see a link to the 1776 curriculum. All you have to do is download it, and it's yours.
3: It's totally Uh, free. Give that uh, website again, please
4: k12.hillsdale.edu, k12.hillsdale.edu.
3: Thank you, Dr. O'Toole. Appreciate your time.
4: Thanks for having
1: me. Thank you, Dr. O'Toole. We'll be back in five minutes with more of today's issues on American Family Radio. Stay with us.
4: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.